WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. And Merry Christmas to you and yours. Our gift to you is we're dropping the podcast a little early uh, in the hopes it doesn't get lost in the haze between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, as we wrote about on the site this week, there are only 11 new comics coming out December 26th. One of those is X-Force Number 1, a new volume featuring most of the original team lineup. And to celebrate the return of Cable's murder babies, <laughs> uh, we've brought on a guest from elsewhere in the comics podcast verse. Uh, Charlie Davis from The Young Ones, whom you may have heard in last month's Acts of Friendship podcast crossover, is here to talk about their love of X-Force, the Shatterstar mini that's out now, and the indisputable fact that Shatterstar speaks with a Boston accent. Uh, also, find out why Shatterstar and Nightwing are primed for an intercompany crossover, and slake your hunger for X-themed cuisine with the Guide to Exceptional Baking. Uh, once you've done all of that, head on over to WMQComics.com and ring out the new year by checking out the latest and last entries in our WMQ Advent Calendar, where we're talking about our favorite series of the year. I uh, just wrote about the genius and pathos of Chip Zdarsky's Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, Matt Laswitz wrote about Joshua Williamson and Riley Rosmo's Deathbed. Andrew Magazine has given us his take on Transformers Lost Light. And our old buddy Will Nevin wrote about Ice Cream Man. And also Jeffrey Dahmer. Hmm. Everyone loves a year-end countdown, so check ours out over at WMQComics.com. And also check out our rundowns of the March solicits from DC, Marvel, Valiant, Archie, and more. But for now, here are me and Matt and charlie all right so this episode serves a couple purposes uh it's a little bit of a spiritual sequel to uh acts of friendship the comics podcast crossover we just did uh as charlie you host your own comics podcast uh tell us a little bit to start about the young ones okay so the young ones is a podcast that i do with my partner mikey and we talk about teen superhero teams and why we love them um that was kind of the initial conceit and uh it's gone through a little bit of format changing um from when we started like about probably about a year now um and it kind of turned into like teen superheroes and then it was like teen other things and sometimes it's comic books i want to talk about so um we're gonna get back on track with um the actual teen superheroes um, at some point, um, because we take it, we took a little hiatus because I had a project I was working on. So mm -hmm. awesome! Uh, but you're, but you're also here because uh, the week this episode comes out, uh, Marvel has deigned to bless us with a new volume of X Force featuring most of the original team. Uh, and near as I can tell, uh, your X Force fandom is pretty strong. Uh, <laughs> safe to say? Oh yes, oh yes, that is extremely safe to say. Um, X Force. I didn't get I didn't read it when I first got into comics because I'm a I'm a fairly new person to comics. Um I started reading pretty heavily in twenty thirteen, like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, mm -hmm. when um all new, the all new, you know, everything started, um, because I started with all new X Men. Mm -hmm. Um and then I kind of I was like, I really love the original five X Men and then I was like, Wait, there's all these other characters. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> and um, I kind of just sank my teeth into it after like looking at the ca those characters more recently um, in X Factor Investigations, um, and then I went back and I read X Force, and I was like, "Why does Peter David not know how to write these characters? They're so good back here." 
um personal in my personal opinion but um yeah I love X-Force it's really great and I was like through the I was like to the moon when I heard that Ed Brisson was going to be doing an OG X-Force book again and it kind of bummed me out that not all the team is here but I'll take what I can get um, how when you say you went back, you know, did you go all the way back to like, you know, how far back is 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 you know back for you? I read, I read from X Force One, even though people told me, you know, you don't need to do that. I was like, well, let's figure this out. So <laughs> I started at one, and I went all the way to when that book stops being X Force. Basically, it's still called X Force when it's basically ecstatics. Uh, yes. And I, then I was like, this, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I kind of stopped paying attention after Rick and Star both left the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was pretty fun. Even after that, you know, John Francis Moore did a, some pretty good stuff, like making it like more of like the teen book again mm-hmm. um, after that point. But, you know, I already had established favorites and I fell in love with everyone else while I was reading X-Force um you know through that so once my faves were gone i was like well let's stick around a little bit longer but you know that's that <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm curious you know you said you started with with all new and kind of the bendis stuff what ended up making x-force you know your your favorite so it's it's kind of funny most of i've spent a lot of my growing up on the internet, like with a lot of people my age, because I'm 30 now, and it, it's just I, I grew up with fandom, like as a kind of like a, a backbone to like everything I was like, super into. So when I started reading, so when I started reading comics, I just kind of discovered that there was this huge group of other people that were also doing that same thing, like almost at the same time. Like a lot of my current ex people that I you know, have acquaintances with and that are my friends kind of got back into comics around that same time too, if they had left previously. So I really dug what Ben is doing. And I was like, I know these characters and I've always known these characters exist, but, you know, kind of reading comics is daunting. So sometimes you just don't get into it. But as I was like going through all of the things I'm like man there's so many x-men how do you know which ones are your favorite like how do you know that like like what do you like what do you do to find that out um and I've always really liked the conceit of aliens like I, I I just like aliens on earth so like I kind of got sucked into you like young avengers volume two when that came out mm-hmm. and I really liked novar there and I was like I really enjoyed like that kind of trope, I guess. And then suddenly I started kind of like seeing people talk about, you know, this other alien, his name was Shatterstar. And it was all stuff from XFI. So it was like the goofy Shatterstar. That's not really star. It's like Peter David's attempt to reinvent Shatterstar. Who's half the time himself, half the time. I don't even know. Um, And I was like, I was into that because it was like, this is silly and fun and, Let's read more about this guy. And then I went backwards to X-Force and I was like, well, this is, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> different than what I was reading. Oh. Um as a very, very, very long time fan of Peter David, a character under Peter David's pen is never the same as he or she or they are under anyone else's for good or ill. <laughs> yes. And, and and don't get me wrong. I think, you know, I think they did. I think he did something with Star that he needed to do to get people interested again. Like, I, I absolutely believe that. But, like, going back to and reading X-Force, especially, like, the stuff when, like, Nicieza was, like, getting everybody to be characters, like, like outside of, like, Liefeld's, like, plotting and, like, what he wanted to do. And once Nicieza gets to kind of spread his wings on that book, everybody becomes a character and, like, they start having, like teen problems and like character problems and they start growing and developing and I, I think everybody on X-Force is so broken like they're just broken people and I think that I don't know in a weird way in a weird way like my depressed ass like really latched onto that <laughs> I was like man these people are messed up and they know it and it's, it's good and it's fine <laughs> I I mean, I've never thought about all... I mean, I kind of always picture Sam Guthrie as pretty... I guess anyone who's had that many father figures really probably has his own set of issues. Uh. Oh, he's he's, he's usually good. Everybody else, though, they've definitely got some stuff going on. No doubt! (laughs) No argument there. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's got some, some stuff going on. And I think also, like... Even though they're like that, they're kind of it's like that it's like that found family thing that every like everybody who likes the X Men talks about all the time. But it's like they really were each other's family. Like they didn't belong with the X Men because they weren't people like that. They did thing their things their own way and they just were kind of themselves with each other. And that just was super important to me. It just really, really was, and I think I just connected with it pretty hard. Um, Matt, do you do you recall or or you know do do you remember having like an early sort of like a first X Force issue? I mean, I know obviously you were a Batman guy, but you know you oh, were reading no. X Men around the same time I was. I, I have a very distinct remembrance of my first encounter with X-Force in what is possibly the worst place you could have a first encounter with X-Force. Go on. Because <laughs> the comic shop that I went to, I started reading a couple years before you did. So I came in just at the round the time that the speculator boom really took off. Mm-hmm. M- my first issue of X-Men was X-Men number one. Ah. My first issue featuring X-Force, because the comic shop I was going to had this little, you know, spotlight area where it put, you know, that week's hot book, was New Mutants 100, the first kind of appearance of all these characters. But also going into that book with zero context (laughs) makes the last page reveal of Strife removing his helmet and looking like Cable 
make so little sense. <laughs> you had no idea. It's like, okay, so wait, that guy I've been reading about is also this dude? And who are these other people that he's hanging out with? Because the MLF don't show up anywhere in that book except until the very end. So I didn't know who any of these people were and why this guy who in a bunch of pages has this big gun in the other pages is walking around in this giant spiky armor. Zero context. <laughs> <laughs> but I went back for X-Force number one, and that made it make a little more sense. A little. <laughs> a little. <laughs> that that sounds very similar to uh, <laughs> my uh, my first brush with them. So, uh, you know, I, I've kind of, I've, I've said this on previous episodes. I started reading X-Men with X-Men volume two, number 20. I think that was, yeah, that was the issue number. This, this, this would be the same month. And, and it was when the whole reveal of there being two Psylocke's came out. And of course I had zero context for that because Psylocke was not on the cartoon. So, you know, very much sort of diving into the middle of things and, you know, deciding to stick with it anyway. Well, I got also got the X-Force issue that also came out that month. Uh, it was 20 issue 22. So mm -hmm. uh, it was the end of the assault on Gray Malkin arc, uh, you know, where they go after Cable's old ship after he's, uh, apparently died after uh, Executioner song and uh, Cannonball Shatter I'm looking right at it actually uh, it's got Cannonball Shatterstar Sunspot and Richter on the cover all holding these uh, giant actually Richter's got a relatively smaller gun but they've all got these <laughs> giant boxy you know uh, cannon looking things you know all basically saying suck it Rob Liefeld <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is uh, peak early Greg Capullo, who, you know, the more I look at his art, the more it's very much a marriage of Jim Lee and John Romita Jr. But uh, it's so good, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's just it's funny, though, looking at this issue now, you know, there's there's some definite timestamps to it. Like there's one panel. This this happens in, in the exact same panel. Where uh, Lila Cheney, who's who's helping them uh, get all of Cable's tech off of Grey Malkin, says uh, something to the effect of "Shia, right?" You know, something out of like Wayne's World. Yep. And then Feral, right next to her, says, "You know, her own version of Hasta La Vista, baby." <laughs> you know, it's peak Terminator Two. Oh yeah. So you know, you can put the timestamp on that. There's also the very last panel of this issue. Uh, has what I can only describe as recolored underboob. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the externals, uh, whom people are reading now don't really need to know, uh, <laughs> have kidnapped Warpath, Siren, and Boom Boom. Uh, or I think she was going by Boomer, Boomer. at this point. Yeah. Yep. But she's, you know, they're all in these like Frank Frazetta, I'm being tortured, but I'm still hot poses. And so Siren and Boomer both have like the, these shirts ripped in the right places. And basically uh, whoever did the coloring uh, had to um, color in the bottoms <laughs> yes. after they went through an editing pass. <laughs> At least that's, that's what it looks like to me. But you know, going into a cold, you know, this being my first, uh, brush with X-Force, I had 
there are so many plot threads in this issue. Like, I didn't know about the externals or Lila Cheney or Weapon Prime or Vanessa or Sluggo, although I hear he's lit, and uh, the Tolliver Will. <laughs> um, you know, and looking back on it now, it's impressive that Fabian had, you know, was able to kind of juggle all those balls in the air at once, especially because, like, this is, I, I think this is like when he is hitting his stride after kind of picking up from Liefeld, who I, I know he'd been co-plotting with, but, you know, him having full control. But, you know, yeah. it's also got that great sort of processing grief over Cable moment and the stuff with the professor, even though Cable's going to be back in three issues anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that issue, um, I think, um, I think 25. <laughs> it's, it's just that, like, Cable, like, basically having thoughts about everybody like all the like all the kids it might have been 26 it might have been the one after i'm thinking of but like he basically like comes back and like like you think that there's you, you we all know that cable's alive and this is cable but like i wonder if people reading it back then were like man who's a shadowy figure that's like sneaking up on everybody and causing all these problems <laughs> um but yeah so much text there's so much text in some of cables like word bubbles like <laughs> in that issue <laughs> nathan's chatty he's real chatty <laughs> and you know, going back knowing this is coming up i went back and i looked at some of my old x-force and it somehow i, I don't know how having been raised in this a post-apocalyptic dystopic future somehow cable is still better adjusted than his father <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a number one or number two, second only to Jay Edidin's Cyclops apologist. But somehow Cable is still better adjusted than Scott. Yeah, he comes back and he's like, like well, maybe I did this all this stuff wrong. And maybe I should have tr treated you kids with more respect. And maybe, you know, learned that you were actually really real people. And like, here's all this stuff. And like. I think that's more than Scott's probably ever done. <laughs> Cable actually got to raise a kid. <laughs> yeah. Multiple. He raised Tyler for a while, too. I guess maybe, he, I doubt he raised Tyler longer than Scott raised him in the future and that whole Red Slim thing. But he raised Hope all the way. And she oh, yeah. came out, you know, alive and not horribly, horribly scarred in many ways. Oh, poor Nathan. <laughs> <sighs> He loopered himself. <laughs> he, <did>. he really <laughs> did. He really did. But um, Charlie, do you do you have like a a, a favorite or, or maybe fondest memories of like a particular issue from that from those early days? Oh man, <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that stick out at me. Um, I I also think it's issue twenty five, where uh, there's this. Uh, there's just, like, so many little things that, like, kind of just have stuck with me. And I'm going to be honest, most of them are Shatterstar-related. Sure. Um, but Yeah. It's good to be on brand. <laughs> it, it really is for me. Um, I think it might be 25 or 26, which is right after that, where, like, Cable's going to, like, every X-Force member and, like, kind of, like, in his own, like, inner monologue, like, breaking them down like a little bit and he get, goes to star and he's like thinking about him and he's like, you know, he, he caught, he like causes so much 
like dissonance like he like is always tense and always has something to say about everything but like he just kind of wants people to pay attention to him at least that's what cable like like discerns from this and star like is watching their giant television in camp verde and like cable sets the remote to change the channel every three seconds because that's what star likes and it just like first of all cable why would you do that (laughs) <laughs> second of all like i don't know it's just like one that one little thing stuck out at me plus like rick gets super pissed off about it because rick and star really don't get along like their first like couple of times together or like in the comics and then it suddenly just like melts into something different where they're like the only two guys that like get each other and that whole thing, like, going from that to, like, hey, this is my BFF, like, <laughs> look, I don't know, it's just, it just kind of gets me every time, like, how that was something that was happening in this comic, like, mostly for, like, teen boys in the 1990s, and it means something to me more as, like, a queer person than, like, I don't think anybody ever intended. There's one, and I remember... I do not remember the issue, but it's, I remember Paul Pelletier art and it's one of those, you know, sort of quiet, non-action-y issues. And it's just Rick and Shatterstar, you know, go out to a, a, a bar or a club or something. Yep. And mm-hmm. that, I don't remember the details of the issue, but I remember just how great their, you know, rapport was. And I remember the same issue has, tabby confronting her abusive alcoholic dad and it's just this really great character issue and people who haven't gone back and looked at that stuff don't remember or don't know how great the character was in those early x-force issues oh yeah that's that is um x-force 42 that's yeah that's um age of apocalypse one or two issues before correct and like right before sam leaves the team um and that issue like that issue cements like so much um you know yeah because rick and star go to a club because it's their, their time away and star gets really uncomfortable with all the ladies hitting on him and so he like runs outside and rick comes out there and he's like you know you know, what's wrong, what's going on, and Star's like, I don't think I have the, like, I have the physical capacity for all of this, but I don't think I have the, um, I've never taught, like, how to, like, care about somebody, basically, and Rick is like, that's okay, we'll figure it out together, dude, and, like, there, right there, and, like, to have those moments, like, basically made canon, like, in 2018, like, Shatterstar number two, like, explicitly on the page says this these are all the things that like star fell in love with rick like these are all the things that happened like beautiful (laughs) like it's very good i think i I i've forgotten about that issue i i I had a hard time placing it and i just keep thinking about the time cable took shatterstar to the or no richter to the airport Oh my god, the airport issue, the Cape 22 yes. airport issue. I swear to god, like if you read that and you didn't think there was like anything going on between those two, like 
Star is like, hey, can you please, like, if you leave, like, I won't have anybody. Like, mm-hmm. no one will be here for me, like, if you go. And Rick Rick is running away because he's having a gay crisis, basically. Um, and it's, and, like, Star's, like, looking out, longingly out the window as the plane flies away. And then Cable's like, hey, do you want to ride back with us? And Star's like, yes, I'd like that very much. Oh. It's so sad. <laughs> If if only Adam X the Extreme could come back and they could you know not romantically but I think Adam X and Shatterstar there is you know they broed around a little they fought oh, yeah. was it Murder World yeah I I could get behind you know Adam X the true third Summers brother coming back and hanging out with Shatterstar <laughs> no I think they're I think they're uh, good BFFs to be honest I mean their their powers would be nicely complementary Shatterstar cuts them Adam X makes them blow up it works. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. What is such a '90s power? Most '90s <laughs> power ever. Uh, well, he looked like blonde Dan Cortez from MTV Sports. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Adam is one of those characters that everybody thinks is a little bit goofier than he actually is in the comics. Like, everybody's like, all is all about like, yeah, Mount Adam X, Mountain Dew, like. They make those jokes all the time, and then I just remember that X Men issue where he like saves Scott's grandpa in Alaska, and I'm like, "That's a good issue." <laughs> yeah, well, Fabian wrote that. That was his, his character, and then you flash exactly. forward like 15 years later to Matt Fraction having him wearing like a polo shirt and a backwards baseball cap, looking like washed up Fred Durst, yelling about, "Let's get fucking extreme!" Yeah. yeah. And there's also the the very short-lived that I'm like one of two people who read it at the time, Janis Vell Captain Marvel series that Fabian wrote, where Adam X shows up for an issue where it's revealed he's the son of Deken. And yeah. just what that does to him in that issue. That's a great, great issue and a really solid story. And there was a lot of potential for that character, even as the son of Decan, I mean, he's still out there somewhere and is technically, if you go by traditional, you know, uh, rules of the monarchy, he's the magister of the Shi'ar Empire. I agree. I agree. And I don't know if Adam will ever come back. Like, uh, that's one thing that, unfortunately, like, even though, like, all my circles I run in are like, I'd love to see Adam X again, but I don't know if that's the wider. <laughs> uh, you know, we do have an X book right now that's taking place in Shi'ar airspace. So, I, uh, you know, Kelly Thompson, I'm just saying, the idea is yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> you you make the comics you want to read. That's always, you know, that's 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 my motto. <laughs> yeah, true that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what one original member who is not, or at least it doesn't look like, they're coming back for the uh, the new volume is Feral, uh, last seen in the Village of the Dead inside the Phoenix Egg in uh, Phoenix Resurrection. Uh, is that someone that you would like to see come back in some capacity? So, Feral always had this like weird crush on Star. Um, mm-hmm. but Shaddy Buns. Shaddy Buns, yeah. Um, that's a good one. I'm, I don't know if that one's coming back either. Um, but, <laughs> um, fair, I'm of the strongest belief that any, like, any character can be interesting and worth my time if the right writer has them. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you can pump character and like pathos into anybody. And I would say I would like her to come back if only so somebody who could like kind of shape her in a better way could do that. Like I honestly, before this X-Force book was announced, I was kind of getting really tired of the let's revisit 90s X-Force in the 90s, like flashbacks. Mm. Like in uh, Cable? Like in the Thompson Nadler Cable? Okay. Like, no, I love no, I love that because okay. I love Lonnie and and Zach, but I really didn't dig Brisson's cable run. Ah, okay, uh, gotcha. I did, yeah. I did not. Um, well, and, like, yeah, that whole John Mallon thing left a bad oh, taste boy, in a yeah. lot of mouths. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and when I saw the cover for Extermination Number Three with Mark the Mark that Mark Brooks X Force cover, I thought, well, this is a time travel adventure. We're going to be rolling back to, you know classic x-force in the 90s and i'm like i guess i guess i'll be excited for that because what else am i gonna get because at this point shatterstar hadn't been announced yet mm-hmm. um and i was very excited to see that it was those characters now like coming together i mean it because sam hasn't been in an x-book in how many years a very now? long time a I very mean, long time yeah i mean all from everything I know, I mean, Al Ewing did some great stuff with him over in the Avengers books, but mm-hmm. that's not my jam. And so I, I've I've missed Sam. I, I, Sam was always my favorite, and I've been missing him in the X titles, and I'm so glad he's back. I agree, and I think that if you can take and if you can take what Ed's been doing in Extermination with X Force as what he will be doing with them in his own book, I think he did a I, I think he's done a really good job with that. So if somebody who wants to take care of Farrell can bring her back and make her better, I'm for her returning. <laughs> uh, but you know, as 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 we've mentioned, as we've been talking about, you know, you, you aren't just an X Force fan. You are X Men Twitter's number one Shatter Starologist. Um how are you enjoying <laughs> the solo miniseries? I've really like connected to it in this way that I didn't think I was going to like, I didn't know what to expect. So like, obviously I talked, I, I, you know, I interviewed Tim Seeley and I was like, okay, I don't read DC comics. I honestly have no idea what to expect from this. Like, I don't know how he writes, you know, I've heard good things about his like Grayson and Nightwing that he did um so i was like okay what am i gonna expect from this and then when i heard him talk and like kind of connected with him about like some of the things that were important about star to me also seemed to be important to him i was like okay i still don't really know what to expect i think it's like probably the best like solos shatterstar anything that's ever been written which isn't hard because (laughs) the you know Few and far between. Um, I don't, you know, there was another Shatterstar mini. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. There was? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Murat Michaels, baby. Oh, boy. Um, and it wasn't good. And I I think I could do without, if, if there's one thing I can critique, I think I could do without the romantic relationship between Grengrave and Shatterstar in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it adds an interesting layer 
But again, I think that's like Tim having to come up with some background information for why Star was the way he was in X Factor. <laughs> mm. um, like why he treats relationships that way when we didn't need that information. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the only thing I can say. Well, mostly because I like Reckon Star together more than I like them apart. Mm -hmm. But I think this series has actually done a really good job of detailing why Rick and Star love one another and, like, will basically always love one another. But sometimes when you have to go save your tenants on another planet, you make stupid choices. <laughs> uh, so I've been really enjoying it. Like, it's kind of, like, hitting me in a lot of, like, emotional places with, like, Star and, like, the masks he puts on. Like, what he when he has to be another person that people need him to be in that moment. Like, and it's taking that kind of, like, meta-narrative, like, and weaving it in interesting ways. But, like, you know, it, I don't know. It's just, it's it's kind of just, like, cuts me, like, deep in certain ways. Like, issue number three was, like, very sad. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm excited for what's to come. And uh, I know Rick will be back in some capacity. So I'm excited to see how that works out. Um, because they're both stubborn and love each other too much to leave each other alone. So I hope it'll be fine. Oh, that bit in issue two where he, oh, where he sends Richter. It's like, that just gets you right in the feels. It really does. And, you know, everybody was like, I saw some people upset. They're like, why would he do that? Like, why is he trying to say that, like, Rick doesn't, Star doesn't love Rick enough to take him along? And I'm like, it's the opposite, actually. Like, this is the one thing he has and he loves and he can't risk that being destroyed basically. So it's like, you got, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you have to go. Like it was really good. I thought issue number two was like a really good love letter to them in all honesty. And I'm like the biggest person you want that opinion from. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have, you made the, uh, the shoddy buns reference before. And so now Tim Seeley has written the, two characters in both the Marvel and the DC universe who almost canonically have the best butts. Yes. So <laughs> he needs to now write the, the Nightwing Shatterstar cute glutes crossover <laughs> miniseries. <laughs> like, I, I think, I think star, if we can kind of mix things together, I think star is probably the closest to a mixture between Nightwing and Midnighter. Like, yeah. I think he's that character. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah. Like, I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna, like, a lot of people say just straight up Midnighter, and I'm like, no, I think Star is more of like a, like a Nightwing Midnighter combination. Like, if we're really, you know, throwing it out there, and um, it's, you know, I just, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really love Rick's new look. Like, throwing it back to like old school. Like, it's, it's the, very the good. word of X Factor Mohawk. <laughs> yes yes exactly exactly i and that was always like i really loved like young young rick and his leather vest that didn't seem like he had any shirt on under it it's fine <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> it's fine for a 14 year old i guess <laughs> <laughs> well, you know one one thing i i appreciated about this series in in terms of of you know how deep it's pulling from is 
the fact that it's using the you know the death sponsors from the Shattershot uh, annual crossover, which even Fabian has uh, disavowed if you talk to him about it. Yeah, and to effect, I think, and also pulling continuity from X-Force number 30, which is that crossover issue with Adam X and Murder World. Right, Winsong, yeah. Where they talk about Shatterstar's wife, Winsong, and they actually, like, go in in this third issue and be like, yeah, this is Winsong, this is what ha- this is what's going on. And I'm like, Lord God, Tim Seeley, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, he told me he went, went back and read everything in x-force all the way up through x-factor before he wrote this book and i was like i don't think he missed anything i think (laughs) you know if there's one stone we're gonna leave unturned maybe that's benjamin russell but we'll leave that stone unturned i guess (laughs) hey he got he's ben gavidra i mean that's at least a tip of the hat yeah it's exactly right and i don't think anybody knows how that was supposed to work um but let's just say it worked. <laughs> that was that was a weird period where Jeff Loeb was sort of like, let's burn everything that everybody crafted before me to the ground. Was that his, <laughs> last, was that his last arc on X-Force? Yes. Yes. Jesus right after, Christ. Yeah, he did the arc before that, he was like, yes, Cannonball's not an external. And then the next arc, he's like, yeah, Shatterstar is really Benjamin Russell. And he, he took that page from Lovedell, who likes to leave the next creator with a big old headache. Hey, guess what? Magneto's alive. M is a pair of twins. Have fun with that. Yeah, like, that's like... <laughs> One of the funniest things I, I'll ever say about the Benjamin Russell stuff is like, Star basically put like Star's spirit basically possessed a kid from Boston, so that technically means that when Shatterstar like came back after possessing Benjamin Russell and using his body, it's pretty probably likely that Shatterstar from that point forward had a Boston accent. So. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that one. I, I I'm having a hard time reading reading Star with a Boston accent. <laughs> oh wow! I, wow! I'm gonna that that's gonna be in my head when the next issue of Shatter Star comes out. <laughs> So just think about like that happened to Star, and then Rick's probably got this like like both both like latino and like new york accent going on so when they're sitting next to each other like on a date they're probably the most annoying people to listen to <laughs> uh talk to each other and that's like one of my favorite headcanons ever so <laughs> oh man it, it, <laughs> they're, they're rosie perez and mark Wahlberg. <laughs> There you go. Enjoy that one. Oh, well, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Looking, looking forward. uh, We, we've talked about X-Force, but you know, within the wider uh, X-World, are you ready for the age of X-Man? Have you embraced Nate Gray as your personal savior? I can't, I still can't believe this is happening. (laughs) How crazy. Like, I just, (laughs) like, that's kind of how I think about it. Like, I'm like, who let, who let this happen? 
Like, and I'm not saying that like a bad thing because I think it's great because if only because not because it's Nate Gray, but because it's like someone of Nate Gray's like like stature in the comic in in the X-Men comics. Right. So like Nate's probably like a C-lister, right? Maybe even a D-lister, like when you think about the X-Men. And I got so damn tired of reading two books every month that basically starred the same characters when the original, when the Tino five were still around. So it's like, let's read a book about Iceman and Beast and, um, and mini Cyclops and Jean Grey. And then let's read another book about Iceman and Beast. And like, really? Like this is what we're doing. And I got so, so, so sick of it. Like, especially when that five-year gap after XFI, when, like, none of my favorite characters were around at all. And then Jamie Madrox just is dead in Death of X. Like, (laughs) cool, I guess. Um, But I think it's refreshing. I think that it's hilarious. And I think that Zach and Lonnie love X-Men. So as much as this is, like, a funny thing that we all think it is, I think they're going to, like, kind of, like, be able to put some emotions into whatever's going on. So, <laughs> I'm ready. I think all those look, I think all those minis look awesome. Oh, no, they absolutely do. Oh, yeah. And have either of you ever seen the, uh, the film Hamlet 2? It was a comedy that came out... About a decade ago, yes, uh, Steve Coogan, right? Because if you've seen Hamlet two, it, it it's a sequel to Hamlet. It's a high school production of a quote unquote sequel to Hamlet, where Hamlet travels through time with Jesus in a time machine. <laughs> it, it, big musical number is "Rock Me, Sexy Jesus," and every time I see Nate Gray come on to panel now, in my head, "Rock me, rock me, rock me, sexy Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> now, if if Christina Strain had gotten that Nate Gray pitch to fly at the beginning of the year, ah uh, yes, right, that would have been like, the Rock Me Sexy Jesus book. Like, I, it's so it's so baffling that we talked about this at the beginning of the year, and it was like that'll never happen. No one wants to read about X Man. Well, what? apparently all it took was a change of editor in the X office. Uh, yeah. And, like, all it took was a change of editor in the X office, and then suddenly everything happened so much. Like, like it was. I knew Jordan White was going to, like, do some badass things for us, mm-hmm. but I never thought in a million years I'd get a Shatterstar mini. Like, really? That was, like, the first thing he greenlit. More power to him because it's awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and and just like this uncanny series where everything is happening at once. Exactly, um, I'm very interested to see what the X line is going to look like once Jordan has had editorial power for a year. Like once mm-hmm. he's his plans start finally coalescing. Like because right now, like. Uncanny is like the first thing he 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 really wanted to kick off, and like the first thing that's like kind of happening. So I'm interested to see what the X line looks like post Age of X Men. I know that's like looking super forward, mm-hmm. but 
I'm interested because he's spoken so much about how the books for so long never had like distinct voices. Like it was everything was kind of the same book because they had the same characters in them. And I know that's something he really wants to get back to. So I'm hoping it's a it's like gonna be really awesome. <laughs> that's all I that's all I can say. So and I think with people like Leo Williams writing books um, hopefully in the future. And um, I love what Matthew Rosenberg has been doing. I love New Mutants Dead Souls, like, a lot, a lot. Um, I hope we get more of that stuff. I, I, I'm still looking forward to the Leah Williams, Brian Braddock, McGinn, and their Talking Baby miniseries, please. <laughs> yeah, that little page in the um, holiday, like, anthology was really, really, really cute. Yeah, there were there were a lot of good little uh, shorts in that. I loved the framing uh, Jubilee getting kidnapped by Arcade story yeah. that ran through the whole thing. And I really love Jamie's um, story where he gives everybody the same watch. Um, <laughs> that that was really good. And and I've also loved Ed Brisson's unrepentant love for Glob Herman. Yes, the Glob Herman page was oh oh Glob Herman. <laughs> I need I need people to start doing something with that panel of him sitting in the chair under the mistletoe. Like that's <laughs> it's crying out for memes. I I don't have like any sort of immediate like text you can put there in the impact font <laughs> that goes under your basic meme. But but it's it's percolating. It's percolating. Yeah. If I think of anything, Dan, I'll let you know. I'm I'm putting it out there into the world, the secret style. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I believe in you, Twitter. <laughs> they'll just they'll do you they'll do you proud. Yeah. Um but besides getting hyped for X Force, what are you reading right now? Oh boy. Um I'm reading well, Uncanny X Men. So I'm reading Disassembled every mm-hmm. week and I keep forgetting it's coming out every week. And I'm like, oh man, I had to pick up that next issue. Um obviously Shatterstar. I have been well, what I was like trying to figure out some a lot of stuff kind of just like ended pretty recently. Um, so those are the two main books I've been reading. Um, I have been trying to catch up with I caught I caught up with Daredevil like because Charles Soule's run on Daredevil ended, so I did catch up with that. I thought he did a really great job with that last issue. I don't know if you guys read mm-hmm. it or not. It was really good. Have you read his run on She-Hulk? I have not. If you get the chance, I think it's in it's two trades. It was a year long. Mm-hmm. It is one a one of the best She-Hulk runs ever. The art by Javier Polito is gorgeous, and it features. Um, Ah, hell, I'll just say it. Um, When She-Hulk goes out to L.A. for a case, she meets uh, the Marvel Universe's preeminent entertainment lawyer. Matt Rocks! Rocks, a Mad Rocks clone, uh, a dupe who, you know, developed his own personality and became this slick entertainment lawyer. And Jamie let him stay out there because he kept sending Jamie's, you know, basically checks to subsidize X-Factor investigations. (laughs) Because he's making a ton of money as this, you know, shark entertainment lawyer. He is delightful. And the whole series is 
just great. That sounds amazing. Um, and as you said that, I was thinking to myself um, about other things that I was um, that I've been reading, which include X Men Red, which um, it wraps up this week, mm-hmm. um, which will be in the past for when this podcast goes out. And um, I was reading X twenty three, and it I kind of fell off of it when I figured out that Juan Cabal wasn't doing art anymore. Um, because I think his art on that first arc of that series was so inspired by new X-Men that I, like, I was, like, blown away by it. And then, like, I was like, oh, no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll take a backseat. Because I really do love Laura. I wish she was Wolverine still. Um, and Wolverine's been coming back for, like, a year now and isn't back yet so okay um let's leave that one alone <laughs> he'll be back back next year i guess him and, <laughs> on kenny number 12 on yeah him, him and scott yeah, on a buddy yeah. road trip oh yeah him and Cy- him and cyclops the only two people left probably not the only two but what some of the only two people left in the probably other universe that's ours after the age of X-Man happens. And then I was just thinking to myself, like Scott's coming back. It is apparently full on crisis mode when he does like, Oh, I just came back from the dead. Oh, um, everybody's gone. The world's on fire. This is okay. This is fine. Everything's fine, I guess. And Wolverine's claws heat up now. Yeah. (laughs) And he also was dead. (laughs) Oh, wait, yeah, no, he died before Cyclops are, did. Never mind. The only people that are left are, are my dead, my now dead son's, like, like violent children. <laughs> oh, they don't like me very much? Oh, okay. Oh, oh Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's about the time you were due to come back. Yeah, basically. And that, I think I'm really interested in, like, that parallel. Like, how like how that's gonna work out? I think that'll be really interesting. Um, oh, I also read. I've also finished reading um, Astonishing X Men, like Matthew Rosenberg's mm. like little run, which I thought was really great, and I thought would have been even better if it had not been drawn by Greg Land. Um, <sighs> you know what? I mean, that is the least Greg Land's art has ever bothered me. That's true. Man, you've got to go back and you if you look at Greg Land's stuff from the late 90s from his run on Nightwing and his early work on Sojourn for CrossGen, you look at it and it's like, wait, is this the same Greg Land? Cuz this looks like he's actually drawing and not photo referencing every panel. Yeah, huh. I think it, I, his Dazzler's always the worst for mm. me. Like and I love Allison and someone, someone somewhere, please, God, someone somewhere, tell Allison her son is alive, so she has a son and he's alive, please. <laughs> um, that's my, that's that. But I really liked it. And if you read it and you look some of the backgrounds um, in that last issue of Astonishing, um, there is some New Mutants Dead Souls stuff going on Ooh, in the background. Oh. Um very interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, I do. I have to confess, I read the first issue of Dead Souls, and I, I maybe it was the mood I was in. Like, I wasn't hot on it. And then, so I didn't go back to it. And then I heard everybody else talking about how great it is, and then the ending got spoiled for me online. So I picked up the last issue, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to get this in trade at some point. 
Yeah, no, it was really good. Like, I spent my majority of my summer being extremely anxious about it because of the solicit for for number four um, mm, was mm-hmm. was that somebody was dead. And I was like, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, and I had a right bad feeling about it, except for, you know, what happens at the end of issue four, which is a really great issue. Um, but it's very, like, sad. And I just thought Rick was really good in it. Like, after being gone for a really long time, it was five years. It was five fucking years. Sorry, excuse me. Nope. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, One, you can curse here. And two, that's how I felt about Strong Guy being missing for as long as he was. Uh-huh. Like, Thank you again, Matthew Rosenberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, Dead Souls felt like cleaning up after XFI. Like, making those characters usable again. Because, like, even if you love X-Factor Investigations, you can't deny that Peter David did his damnedest to write all those characters out of the X-Universe. Oh, yeah. I, I liked the ending he gave for Rain, though. I I, I, I thought she, she he'd given her such a raw deal for so long. It's like, oh, she kind of got a happy ending. And I like John Max. But everybody yeah. else got real screwed. Yeah, like, everybody else, like, got, like really fucked and especially terry who has still yet to return um, yeah look at that. um i i have a feeling that's gonna get fixed i mean everything everything old is new again yeah and i i really hope terry comes back and i really do hope it's maybe in some sort of cameo in the x-force book mm-hmm. i think that would be like rad and i thought rick and star were lost in space time forever <laughs> mm. like I, I really did i was like they're never I'm never going to see him again. And then Matthew Rosenberg puts Richter in an issue of a secret empire tie-in um, in his Secret Warriors book with a fucking mustache. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Yeah, and then Guido had that like sweet, white, like tiny Santa Claus beard on his face for a while. Yes, yes. Well, um, when you stop being the king of hell, you gotta grow some facial hair. Yeah. And I, I, I just really, like, I finally realized that, like, all it takes for characters to come back is, like, a, like, a writer that really loves those characters. Mm -hmm. Like, so, thank you, Matthew Rosenberg. I will never stop thanking you for bringing, um, not only Rick back, but, like, bringing Rick back and, like, making, like, Ricker and Shatterstar's relationship some sort of interesting, like, random background subplot (laughs) in New Mutants Dead Souls. So, um, it's it was very good, and Adam Gorham's art, also very good, also very good. Yes. Uh, now, before we wrap up, I'd be remiss if I let you go before talking about the Zine Cookbook you have out now. So, uh, tell us about the Guide to Exceptional Baking. Okay, so like all my other ideas, I just kind of like came up with like I you know wouldn't it be cool to like do some sort of X-Men like cookbook thing. And then I kind of just like thought it into reality. So the guide to exceptional baking is a 58 page wire bound cookbook with lots of tasty treats inside and amazing, amazing art by all these wonderful people that I know. And it is probably the coolest thing I've ever actually created in my entire life. Um, and it's just this kind of 
very personal cookbook that is filled with X characters that I realize are very specific to like our, our, I would just say our side of like the fandom Cyclops and Logan Wolverine don't show up once <laughs> in any of the art like mm-hmm. none of the characters that you come to associate with like, the main X-Men are probably in this book except for maybe Storm um, and it's just like kind of like a niche roster of like characters and all of these recipes that some are written in character voices. I wrote an entire Trey's Leche cake recipe out um, in Shatterstar's voice. So if you read it, that that was me. Um, and I just how, how many that, times did you write Zazvid? I didn't <laughs> write Zazvid once, and that's okay because. I don't think there was anything to exclaim about, so it's fine. Did you write it in a Boston um, accent? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to keep thinking about that, Dan. I'm glad that that was the that gift that keeps on giving, in all honesty. I don't think I've breathed that out into the natural world until just now when I told you guys. So, um, uh, But it, it's just this really fun thing, and it's like it just turned out so good, and I don't know. You can buy it right now on the PDF, at least um, on Gumroad, and I can drop a link or I can give you a link, and you can link to it. Um, but you can find it on my Twitter at Genetic Ghost. It's the pinned tweet there. And as soon as all the copies are being print, done being printed, um, you'll be able to buy one, and I can send it to you. It'll be good. That is awesome. And yeah, no, please do uh, send me the link. Uh, we'll make sure to uh, put that with the uh, podcast. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show, for talking about uh, X-Force and um, revealing that Shatterstar has a Boston accent. (laughs) (laughs) I'd make it canon if I could. Um, I'm not going to lie. But uh, at one point, like my my hope and dream at some point is to be able to write Shatterstar in a Marvel comic. I don't know how close I'll ever get to that dream, but if if and when I do, um, I'm going to make that my lasting mark. So Osvid. <laughs> glad I'm, I'm glad that you did that. Thank you. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes and the ability to promote your work on our site, and two dollars gets you a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and play reviews, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!